It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. From Labradoodles to Cronuts, the world loves a hybrid. So today, businesses are taking a smarter hybrid cloud approach using the tools, platform, and expertise of IBM. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Who they think you're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today, journalists in Cincinnati were served mock turtle soup, which is Paul Daner's favorite day of the year, I think. We have the countdown to kickoff. We have a Tyler Boyd extension and our reactions there, too. We have AJ Green extension talks, and we have a little bit more kind of news trickling out from journalists talking to coaches, talking to Mike Brown. The one of very few days a year Mike Brown actually addresses the journalists. And you're going to go find the podcast on the Himalaya Podcast app, on the Google Podcast app, on iTunes, on Spotify, and other places on the internet. But without further ado, Joe, you read some quotes today. Any quick hit reactions? We're, we're getting there. Four days for, away. For Tyler Boyd, I had my own personal experience with this. I did too. I, um... Mine oh, was did. different from yours. Not Tyler yep. Boyd. Mine was with the AJ Green stuff, but I saw yours. Uh, yeah, mine was weird. So I'm like sitting there. It's it's break time. I, I had a shift over overtime today, and I'm sitting there. And I go, you know, I wonder when these extensions are going to happen. And you just get that feeling sometimes. You ever get the feeling for Bengals news or football stuff? Well, I get it. And I uh, I go, I'm, let me go look at the recent. I'll go back to 2010 or so and look at the recent uh, extensions that happened in the summer around either before camp, after camp. And let me date them and see when they normally happen. And there was only one out of ten that happened in July, in late July. And I think it was Carlos Dunlap, his second deal. And the rest were all either at the end of camp or at the beginning of camp, uh, you know, in August, or they were in September. So I, I, I'm compiling this. Once I see this, I say, okay, let's make a decent graphic. So I, I start putting it together, and um, it takes me ten minutes or, minutes or so. I send out a tweet. Hey, if you're expecting a Tyler Boyd or A.J. Green extension – we're probably a couple of weeks too early. Hit send, right? Yeah, refresh you my timeline. Twitter yet. <laughs> I have you not, didn't actually was, read the tweets first. Right, because I, I was creating this. <laughs> I figured send it right, as soon as it's done. I refreshed my timeline. First one on there, Tyler Boyd extension 10 yeah. minutes ago. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's perfect. Of course, that's what happens. My, my experience was the AJ Green stuff afterwards. Lauren Fowler, who is the athletic, I she think. She has soccer, I believe but also is covering the Bengals today. She, I guess, misinterpreted a Mike Brown quote. This tweet is now deleted, and if you go look around Twitter, you'll see a bunch of people quote tweeting it, and it's deleted. And she, she, she issued a correction, but her, her initial interpretation of a Mike Brown quote was that it's not AJ's time yet to get extended. What Mike Brown, it turns out he meant, was it's not AJ's time to start falling off yet. 
Right. So, so there so must she, have been two questions there that he yeah. was giving an answer to one. Yeah, she right. misinterpreted what he was answering. And so, so my the correction never goes was, as far as the uh, first mistake, huh? What's that? The correction never goes as far as the first mistake. Well, she deleted the tweet, but yes. Well, sure. Uh, people, people ran with it, right? But it's a real roller coaster because he says that, and I'm like, does this mean that today is not his day and it's going to come in a few weeks, or does it mean they're not going to extend Green before a walk here? And then, yeah, because that then, makes sense. And then I read other quotes coming in to say, you know. Duke Tobin, we're not expecting AJ to fall off. He he does everything you want in a wide receiver. Mike Brown, similar things. Like he he has all the traits that we want. And I'm like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Charlie, always sunny in Philadelphia. Conspiracy board. Dot Jeff. Dot right. And and then a couple a couple minutes later, somebody sends me a tweet that that he's next. Everyone starts tweeting. Paul Danner, Jeff Hodgson, you name it. Lauren Fowler corrects her tweet. AJ Green is who we're concentrating on next. It's like, okay, now it all makes sense. Right. Mike Brown didn't say something stupid. Everyone's on the same page. We're good. Right, because I, I had people saying, you know, it's time to go to bed, old man, and whatever else to Mike Brown that you could. Yeah, right. You know, you're too old. You shouldn't be talking. Oh, well, people are ready to jump on Mike Brown. And oh, if yeah, you, the if guns you are already it loaded. look like he said something that's a little, you know. Yeah. I think Mike I was, Brown was, was very measured today. I mean, there was a few things he says. You're like, okay, Mike, come on. Right. When he's talking right. about how and Lance McAllister tweeted this difference, I think, how phenomenally different things are going now than under Marvin Lewis. Just like he's, he's shocked at how differently these coaches are running the team. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's just right. like, yeah, I mean, yeah, Mike. Okay. <laughs> But, but besides that, done. you know, he's talking about how he wants his uh, – we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk about some of this stuff. But he's talking yes. about how, you know, he wants to win back the fans. He, he's going to feel good if he walks away from the game having gone out on a high note. He's starting to talk about walking away, which I found interesting. So he wants to go out on a high note. He wants, he wants to he wants win it all. I mean, wouldn't you? It makes sense, right? I mean, he's 84, 85 years old. Is there a, this is, we're kind of going off script here, but uh, is there a high note he can go out on without winning, without being the owner of a team that wins the Super Bowl? I mean, if you get to the Super Bowl again and you're Mike Brown, I feel like you feel pretty good about that. If you go out there and say it's two years from now, you know, you do your last draft, say he does his last draft, he'll be 86 or 87 in two years. And he's Mm going to say he drafts Trevor Lawrence and he says, you know what, here you go. I'm out. Here's here's my gift, my parting gift to you, Cincinnati. Here's Trevor Lawrence. That could be. I mean, you're you're losing all your also, games. Also, but <laughs> they either sign an extension on the lease, right? Another 15 years on the stadium, and here's a practice bubble. And Trevor Lawrence, I retire. I mean, you could go out on a high note there, sure. right? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Anyway, let's let's quickly hit our countdown to kickoff for today. We're 47 days away from opening day in Seattle, which is. Uh, one and a half hour seaplane ride from where I live. Oh, when you think of number 47, who do you think of? No one. It could be anyone in the league. Right. I can't think of anyone for the Bengals, but John Lynch is like for me, number 47 completely. I don't pay attention to numbers as much as you. We've talked about this a bunch, so there's nobody that really pops into my head. Right. It's definitely not a linebacker. That's definitely not what I think about. And that's who wears it for the Bengals now. 
Number 47, out of Ohio State, going into year two, Chris Worley. Corey Lynch wore 47 for the Bengals in 2008. Marvin White wore 47 for the Bengals in 2010. You remember Corey Lynch? I do remember Appalachian State, they beat yeah. Michigan. He had that yeah. kick, field goal block return. He had long hair. Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe he didn't have long hair. <laughs> Maybe he did. I don't know. Maybe he had it in Madden. Uh, it doesn't look like he had long hair. <laughs> Just erase all that from your memory. He did not have long hair. Maybe Ethan sometime. Kilmer. No. Remember that yeah. safety? Kilmer. Did he have long hair? No. Not no? at all. <laughs> Did the Bengals ever have a safety that had long hair? Hmm. No. No? Not a, not a white guy. I don't know what I'm thinking about then. Unless we need, we'll, we'll be corrected on this, I'm sure. Okay. So Chris Somebody's going to be mad that we didn't mention somebody in their history, but I'm looking back and going all the way back to 1968, the longest this number has been worn by any Bengal was for two seasons, and that's Charlie King, Greg Bright, and Steve Madlow. Yeah, that's it. So 47 is, has no fame, no history to it for the Bengals. I mean, somebody might come into our mentions and be like, how could you forget about the great David Frisch? Right. But If you made a cool play. Is that like our Chinatum and Duque? If we get to 41 and I'm like, oh, Chinatum, you know, are they going to be like in 20 years? What are you old guys talking about? That guy wasn't even good. I'm looking at his stats right now. Are people bringing up? People that weren't good. Most no. of the people that like people get but mad the players about you it just are, named are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our guys, I have no idea who they are. When we do get to forty one, in addition to Chinatum, there are a lot of good players in Bengals history that have wore that number. Two of them, Lorenzo Neal, who I oh, think yeah. is probably the best fullback of all time. Should probably be in the Hall of Fame. I think so. And Solomon Wilcotts. Oh yeah. That's right. So anyway, Chinatum today, Duke, not a top three guy. Today. We should get back on topic, I guess, and talk about Chris Maybe. Worley. Ohio I have a great State quote guy? from Chris Worley, though, when we get there. You have a great what? Quote from him. Oh, great. I think we should start with it, actually. Let's lead with this quote yes, from Chris okay. Worley. From I'm excited. Campus. I'm not right. ready for this. Right. Quote, I was one of those guys from Cleveland that didn't watch the Browns. I'd go for Cincinnati because I knew the Browns sucked. End quote. He's right. The Browns have always sucked. For as long as they've existed since 1990-whatever. Oh, because he's probably, like, born in 99. Or, or Matt's again. He's 23, so definitely a 90s kid. 96? 95? I don't... Please don't do this live. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) I won't edit this out later. Oh, thank you. He, like Joe said, is a Cleveland guy. He went to Glenville High School. I feel like I, I was a debater in high school. I feel like I I'm debated sure against some Glenville kids. Or maybe I'm thinking of Glenn Brooks in Chicago. I'm thinking of Glenn Brooks in Chicago. I take it all back. He was an Ohio State guy. Ohio guy through and through. I wonder if he's left the state. I mean, obviously, he's left the state for, for work. But uh, it was a practice squad player for the Bengals for games 1-14 to 14 last year. Was promoted to the active roster for the final two games of the season and played 37 special team snaps. On... Um, Chris Worley's first NFL tackle that came on a special teams play. He chirped at Jabril Peppers after Michigan State, or I'm sorry, Michigan, um, safety running back kick returner. So the rivalry never dies. On on Worley's first Worley's tackle? first 
in yep, the NFL? NFL tackle. He tack- yep, and he had some words for Jabril Peppers after. That's so interesting. Been the Browns game week 16. The Bengals.com 2018 highlights say that he recorded one special teams tackle all year and says it was against Pittsburgh. Interesting. This so is that, from That's not right. Right, this is from the 23rd of December 2018. That had to be he, the Browns game. Played his best against Michigan. He had 11 tackles against Michigan in 2017. Hmm. Okay. Team captain is a senior in 2017 for Ohio State. Pretty neat. So all the Ohio State fans must love Chris Worley. Oh, I bet. And that's why, I mean, he was, um, some people liked him in the draft as a day three pick. I That's why I said before, like Deshaun Davis and them are, are all competing for the same spot because I do think there's a chance Chris Worley makes a team. Now he's, He's not the most athletic guy, but he was a captain. He was calling plays, if I remember correctly, that's already a draft season ago, but East-West Shrine game, he was the one calling the defensive huddle for the East team. A little bit undersized, though, makes it maybe a little bit tough for him without the athleticism that you see the undersized guys in the NFL thrive with. And the Bengals have a couple of these now, undersized guys that didn't necessarily test the way you want to see an undersized guy test. And Chris Worley and Sterling Sheffield, both undrafted free agents. Right. We've talked about in the last couple of days. Similar mold for both players. And and you just have to see if... I mean, Chris Worley came into the league a little bit young. He was 22. He's 23 now. So there's a chance for him. But more than likely, you're looking at a practice squad player. Looking at his preseason grades for last preseason, he was actually pretty good. For the most mm-hmm. part, I'd say. In his longest game, he played 40 snaps in week four. It wasn't great, but had you know at least average marks in coverage. He missed a couple tackles in preseason, which really brings down your PFF grades. But had pretty solid run defense marks. And uh, decent enough pass coverage, considering grades, considering his uh, athletic limitations. Yeah, and he was the third Ohio State rookie on the active roster at that point last year when he was activated behind Sam Hubbard and Billy Price. Three Ohio State guys. Yeah. They must be in heaven. Right. There's two NC State picks this year. So did did the Bengals uh, sign an NC State uh, undrafted guy? Because that'd be the same path. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I don't think so either. Doesn't mean that they didn't. Yeah, you know what? I, I, PFF doesn't have Chris Worley making a tackle against Cleveland either. Maybe he was just talking trash after a play and he didn't yeah, make maybe, a tackle. Right. Maybe he was in on a tackle and actually didn't get a tackle. You know what I mean? Yeah. But PFF is tackle usually stats good are about, weird. Yeah, but PFF is usually just tackles or tackles. Right. You're in on it, you get a tackle. Yeah. So was a special teamer, was pretty decent at special teams in his in his snaps for the Bengals last year. PFF grade of seventy. For a special teams plays, so you know what? Chris Worley, you have a shot. You play special teams well. You're going into your second year. You've at least got a leg up, I'd say, on the undrafted rookies coming into this year. Yeah, I would think that. It's a fresh start anyways for any of these guys on the back end of the For the entire roster, but for the back end, I think when, you know, Definitely, if you are an undrafted guy or a late-round pick that maybe has someone drafted above you that's expected to make the roster, I think all that gets thrown out the window when a new staff comes in and you have a chance to go neck-to-neck-and-neck one-on-one with Malik Jefferson. Yeah, he was drafted in the third round when you were undrafted, but it's not crazy to see on other rosters that um, this could happen where if he plays well, he beats out that third-round pick. Yep. 
So that'll do it for our Chris Worley roundup. That's our countdown to kickoff on number 47. We are going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the Tyler Boyd extension. We don't have the details yet, so once we get the contract breakdown, we'll revisit it. But initial reactions after this. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? Nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close, so you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit match halfway all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car. That's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. And we are back, Locked On Bengals podcast. Joe and Jake here. Finally, we got news. First time in a long time, right? Maybe since. No, that's not fair. We had a Clint Bowling news uh, two weeks, a week ago. But real, like, positive news. First time since probably the draft. Because the last two big news stories were Jonah Williams and Clint Bowling. So positive, you know, Bengals make a move, sign a guy, re-sign a guy, extend somebody at the position where... They've got two guys to go, and we'll talk about A.J. Green. But right now, with the the four-year, $43 million deal on the surface, you know, we don't have the details, as you said. For Tyler Boyd extension, that should bring him what? So that should be five total years, right? Because this is four years added on to this year. Mm-hmm. That's correct. It's a four-year extension, four years on to the end of the deal. The average annual payout of $10.75 million or whatever it works out to be is 20th in the NFL, right around that Sterling uh, Shepard mark in New York. Yeah, but that's on four years. What's that? That's on four years, though. So? I'm saying you could probably take his, what was it, 1.2 million this year, plus, uh, you know, plus the 43, 
and divide that by five because really it's a five-year extension that's 8.8 million a year is that how people do it don't you just count the contract you already signed as well if they add the money to this year if they added the money to this year right and i imagine they would they got money sitting around they got cap space well that's what i mean about the details we'll have to see but it could be a super cheap contract yeah that's a good point even if it if it's four years, then that's still a fine deal. Putting right. him at I 10. was perfectly happy with that at at ten eleven million dollars. Yeah, Tyrell Williams gets paid more than 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 Tyler Boyd. Right. Yeah, I think this is when I looked at it at, at at first, I was like, great deal, perfect. This is, and for a guy that I have some reservations, and he, mm-hmm. Boyd has blown my expectations away from the point he was drafted to now. But uh, because of that breakout year last year was so good, but because it's one year. There are some concerns, right? That he maybe that maybe last year was the best we'll ever see, which is good enough. But the inconsistencies could be what we saw from the first two years still in his future. And if that's the case, then I think if we're looking at an average of eight to nine million dollars a year over the next five years, that's perfectly fine for for somebody uh, that's a slot receiver. But if it's at eleven million, I can still handle that. So I think the deal is good, and and that deal is just going to look better. In two oh, years, yeah. when two you look years, at yep. what receivers are like, it's it's twentieth right now, but right. next year it's going to be like thirtieth real quick. Go back three years ago when Muhammad Sanu and Marvin Jones. I mean, they're half the fan base was saying those guys are too expensive. You can't give them eight million dollars a year. Here we are three years later, and we're like, yeah, eleven million dollars for for Boyd. That's probably comparable, and it it makes sense, and it's right. I mean, it, looking back, had the Bengals give eight million or could have, I should say, because Marvin Jones didn't want their guaranteed money if. Uh, if they could have gotten a deal done with for eight million a year, we'd look at that right now like what a steal! How cheap is that for a number yeah. two receiver? And and Kevin Cole over at PFF, he's at Kevin Cole PFF on Twitter. Does R and D? He's a data scientist for them. He I think does some work with their wins over replacement mm-hmm. metric that the PFF has tried to do for football players. They value Boyd over the next two years in the thirteen to seventeen million average per year range. Yeah. And so you look at that, and the Bengals got him for 10.75 over four years. And like Joe said, if you count the fifth year, this year, it gets cheaper. Um, That looks like a really good surplus deal for the Bengals. He does mention that it's difficult to trust the third-year breakout. It's hard to know what's real there. I mean, you think about guys. uh, That's why you do it early, though. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, to hopefully you, you win on that side of the deal. The Bengals have won with Carlos Dunlap and Andrew Whitworth. Remember how many times they extended those guys early? Yep. Whitworth I was just going to say, you think about uh, who's the guy in Jacksonville who was really good the one year had injury issues? Robinson? What position? The Alan Robinson. Yeah. Alan Robinson. Um, he, had a, he had that great year. Yeah, and great kind year. Kind of disappeared. Right, the great injury third year, injured fourth year. Had they extended him after his third year, they'd be paying him twelve million dollars a year, which right now it wouldn't be so bad because I think he's making like fifteen from the Bears. But point being is, they probably would have lost a little bit on that deal because he hasn't been as good, hasn't recovered, and their offense isn't designed to throw to receivers like that anyway. So, uh, so that's yes. the risk. Is all I'm right. trying to highlight the comparables to to Tyler Boyd that Kevin pointed out. Alan Hearns, Steve Johnson, Randall Cobb, and Kendall Wright. So you hope he's more on maybe like the Stevie Johnson, Randall Cobb end of the production spectrum there? Yeah. Yeah, Randall Cobb, that'd be fine. Yeah. I think that he, he has a possibility to be better too. 
Yeah, I do too. Yeah, and you look at last year, and Boyd was on pace for over 90 receptions, 1,200 yards uh, before Andy Dalton got hurt. And we saw when Dalton Green got hurt, Boyd's number slipped. Of course he did, right? Uh, you're losing the guy who's going to demand all the coverage and the, the starting quarterback of the team. So uh, even with that, his metrics and his like deep analytics say he was overwhelmingly the best slot receiver. And I don't mean a guy that, that plays on the outside that also goes into the slot. I mean – a guy that's playing like 80% of his snaps from the slot like Tyler Boyd was. Uh, he was clearly the best guy in the league last year. And and if that's even if that's a sliver of what he is over the next four or five years of this deal, that's a good that's a good player. And he was incredibly clutch on third downs. As of yep. November twenty eighth last year, he was PFF's number third graded receiver on third downs behind just Julio Jones and Odell Beckham. Ahead of That's Corey nice. Davis and Adam Thielen, who were also very good on third downs. I saw something from PFF today as well that talked about um, the Boyd-Dalton connection being very strong. Yeah, Dalton threw re- like a very high clip of accurate yep. passes to Tyler Boyd, who obviously converted them to, to a lot of production. I wrote an article on that about uh, Dalton be off script and getting out of the pocket. It seemed like he constantly was looking and connecting with Boyd. And if when you watch him, especially on the L-22, Boyd just knew how to find the open space and work with Dalton in the scramble drill. And I think the, the two of them being on the same page and playing as well as they did together last year to start the year was definitely a, a big contributor to why we felt the way we did about Dalton and that he was making plays off script at a clip that we haven't seen before. You know what's funny to me now that I'm looking at the PFF grades in a little bit more depth? Everyone's talking about how Juju Smith-Schuster is now better than A.J. Green. Right. Gotta get better than Tyler Boyd first. Both Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, number 11 and number 12 in PFF's receiving grades from 2018, were well clear of Juju Smith-Schuster's 18th overall grade. Uh, I, I... I don't know. I think you, you talk about Tyler Boyd, the 11th graded receiver for PFF, playing almost ex, not exclusively, but a majority of his snaps out of the slot. Yeah, his best snaps. You got to be thrilled. You got to be yes. thrilled with this deal for the Bengals. It's, it's a great piece of news for them. That's been uh, something that's you know they, they've needed. It's been a pretty bleak couple couple months. Right. With- I recently watched the Falcons game. You know the Bengals come back on that last drive. And Tyler Boyd makes two clutch catches on fourth down with, I would believe it's Desmond Trufant covering him. And he just undresses him twice in man coverage and to make uh, clutch fourth down catches. And you just go, yep, that's okay. You know, you feel real good about, about him in those situations. And I think they really lacked having that guy. And because even Sanu was, I felt comfortable with him in the slot, but he didn't win as many one-on-one opportunities as Boyd does, and he dealt with that one year of the dropsies where you kind of lost a little bit of confidence in him in those situations, and he hasn't had that problem since that year. But still, that year had an effect for the next next year or so. We were like, eh, you know, he's, he's got a little case of the, of the hands sometimes, and uh, we just don't feel the same way about Boyd. We feel pretty confident right now. I agree. Very happy to hear that this deal got got done. Looking forward to the AJ Green announcement that we're going to get in like a month. Yeah, roughly end of September. I mean, end of August, early September. That'll be fun. After the Julio deal, you know what really was interesting here well, is that there's a few receivers. I think there's Julio, there's Mike Thomas, there's sure, but I don't think you can compare to Mike Thomas, right? Because of the age difference. I think the Julio deal is the big one. 
I don't remember who it was, but I saw somebody tweeted today something about all these guys, all these receivers. There's three of them out there right now, in addition to Julio and Mike Thomas that are waiting to sign new deals. And they're kind of waiting to go one after the other after the other because yeah. they're all going to try to one-up the previous guy. That's how it happened last That's time. That's how it, it always Dez, yeah. Julio, Demarius Thomas, and A.J. Green. But do you, you remember when we did this? We talked about this about a month ago. And Tyler Boyd is very candid about wanting to match what Sterling Shepard got. Same draft. Similar type players, they're slack guys in an offense that was struggling. Uh, production has been pretty similar. And he flat out said that I'd like to get a similar deal. And he did, basically. It, it, that makes it so much easier when, when the outline is there for you and a very strong comparable is sitting there from the same draft class. Uh, and, and both sides can agree on that value, and especially because I, I think the Bengals got a good deal here. So, of course, they, they offered him that. And I think we said that when we talked about this originally. Give him that deal right now. We're all yeah, happy about it. Totally. Uh, so, you know, depending on what happens with Julio, that leads directly in the green, in my opinion. Same draft class, similar age, third contract with the same team, high productive guys. Probably both could make the Hall of Fame. So, if Julio breaks the bank, Green's going to want to break the bank. If Julio gets maybe a little a little bit less, but a strong deal, then I think maybe Green comes down to earth a little bit and, and would take something similar. It's just, it's it's a little bit hard for me to see A.J. Green and, and Julio Jones both getting a contract bigger than Odell Beckham's at this point in their career. And oh, I'm not saying they it's shouldn't. not going to happen, because I think it will happen, at least for Julio. People are talking about, you know, $19, $20 million, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But paying those guys who are 30 more than Odell Beckham over five years from 26 to 31 or 25 to 30 or whatever his contract is at 18 million a year, I, I just that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't that's not the way the NFL works. NFL doesn't make sense a lot of times with contracts. Just, just for the record, Tyler Boyd's current average annual is just behind Tyrell Williams, like I mentioned, by $250,000 mm-hmm. or so, just behind Keenan Allen. Behind Sammy Watkins, I'd rather have Boyd than Watkins at this point in their careers. Behind Alshon Nice Jeffrey. deal on Keenan Allen, huh? What's that? Yeah. Nice deal for Keenan Allen for the Chargers. That's a great deal for Keenan Allen. And he's a free agent after 2021. So that's two years ago, which gives you an idea about how yeah. inflation is happening. Because you scroll down just a little bit, you look at Marvin Jones's deal that was signed in, tw- in 2016, $8 million a year. And that's the number right. we said. The Bengals won't touch that. Steal. Right. But, at but the time, we said they won it. Inflation adjusted. And also Probably guaranteed money, as we've talked about. I, if right. Boyd, if we find out Boyd got $14 million guaranteed, we're going to say, oh, okay, it's not the $26 well, million that Marvin Jones got. This says $13 million guaranteed for Marvin Jones at signing, but practical, practical guarantee is $20 million, so I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. So we don't know yet on Tyler Boyd, but we think the deal is very, very good for – for wide receivers that become a free agent in 2024, which he now does, his deal is very cheap. Yeah. So you know, in an no- off season where they've had some bad deals, this is a this is a slam dunk good deal and a good risk to take, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Have we exhausted praise for the Tyler Boyd deal here? We're happy for so. everybody. The one thing yeah. I'll mention, there's an article over on Bengals.com right now that talks about the fact that uh, Tyler Boyd's been in close contact with A.J. Green throughout this process. They're, they're apparently close buddies. The first person, that one of the first people that Boyd messaged, he text messaged about the deal, was he sent A.J. Green a text. And he mentions that uh, A.J. is getting his contract fixed up as well. So another reason to think that that it's extension happening. is coming. Yeah. Yeah. 
Probably just waiting for chips to fall. The Bengals aren't the aggressive ones usually, so. But they got it done. They got it done. Great. Great. We'll come back after a last quick break here and recap some of the other notes coming out of Mock Turtle Soup Day at Paul Brown Stadium. Stick around. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash dellemc. Support for this podcast comes from The First One with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is The First One. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win. And the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. And we're back for segment three. Jake, I need you to answer a question for me first before you go on because you've said it twice now on this podcast. Um, what is mock turtle soup? Is I don't it, know. Is it like, okay, so turtle soup is a thing, I'm assuming, and this is mock turtle soup. So it's not actually turtle soup? Mock turtle soup is an English soup created in the mid-18th century as a cheaper imitation of green turtle soup. It often uses brain and organ meat, such as calf's head or calf foot, to duplicate the texture and flavor of the original's turtle meat. Doesn't sound no. good to me. Right. That's... This is Paul Denner's favorite day? I don't know. I think... I don't know if he likes the soup, but it's, it's, they've done it for like 35 years. It's, it's a weird thing the Bengals do. So they like it because it's weird at this point. Like, why do you still so. feed this? I think, it, I think it's got to be because it's weird. Like, you realize nobody actually eats this stuff, right? Maybe they don't make it with organs anymore. And use sausage? Anything else? I don't what know. What can imitate organs? We're, so we're already imitating turtle with organs. So now how, would you, how do we imitate turtle organs? I don't think oh, – let's. I think move off this. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just – I'm looking Brains. at a recipe right now that, that Google came up with, and uh, it doesn't use – it doesn't use organ meat. It uses sirloin, ground sirloin. Oh, great. Let's that do it. That sounds nice. Then it's just like yeah. a beef soup with Amazing. some vegetables Let's, in it. Right. And it's green. It also uses hard-boiled eggs in, in the soup, which is a little weird. <laughs> but it would be weird. okay. It would be fine. Oh, I like hard-boiled eggs and anything. Pasta sauce? Oh, man. In pasta sauce? Yes. Yeah. You can think some noodles can be made out of egg instead and of... And you've uh, never eaten Skyline? I never have. Oh, man. We got yeah, to book our trip to Cincinnati. Well, we might. I just got a cool email that I'm going to share with you after this. Ooh. Yeah. Very excited. 
I know. All right. Let's finish this podcast. I want to know what exciting news Joe has for me. Not news, just stuff to share. Maybe news. Potential news? I mean, it's not like news for the people. It's news for me. Right. For us. Yes. For fun. Yes. So, a couple notes here. First off, there's some discussion about the offensive line spots and Clint Bowling saying, and and Brian Callahan, sorry, not Clint Bowling, Duke Tobin saying because Clint Bowling had to retire because Jonah Williams got hurt, they probably need to bring in a third tackle. Right. They definitely need to bring somebody else in, as we've talked about, and this is now something the club is acknowledging to some degree. Uh, Brian Callahan is quoted as saying, we still need tackles. We need tackles for depth. We need tackles to compete. So that will be addressed. He also talks about moving guys around. And this is something that I think has been very popular on Bengals Twitter. And that's the idea of moving Billy Price to guard and letting Trey Hopkins take snaps and center. And it sounds like that is something they plan to do to get these guys positional versatility going, because you never know what kind of situation might come up when you only have 46 guys available to you on a Sunday. Yeah. Especially when you don't have any backup tackles. You kind of have yeah. to, you know, that's why I said before, like, let's say Westerman starts at left guard, Billy Price at center, John Miller at right guard. And Cordy Glenn gets hurt, because he does. And they kick out right now Trey Hopkins to left tackle. Well, the next guy, the next guard off the bench while Redmond is suspended, I mean, is that John Jerry? What if John Jerry doesn't get, isn't on the roster, right? Maybe that's Billy Price over to guard, and then and then Michael Jordan goes to center, or Hopkins is at center, or whatever you know scenario you can come up with. But there are scenarios where I could see Billy Price being needed at guard, or maybe even be the best guard or the best combination of five on the yeah. team with him being at left guard. Just or because right. you need to find a way to get Hopkins onto the field at that yeah. point, or whoever right. it is. The because other thing- the tackles may be bad. You better make sure that interior three are your best three possible. Well, I mean, given where we are right now, yeah. I mean, that's the hope. I that's mean, all they can do at this point, unless they go out and, and trade for Trent Williams. But even if they trade for Trent Williams, he can't play this year anyway, perhaps. That's why he wants out of Washington. Speaking of Washington, I saw you had some mentions today about a certain Washington linebacker that was released. Yeah, he's also on my shadow mock team. Oh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. most of my linebacker got released here. Mason Foster of the Redskins, who was for the first time last year played a thousand snaps for yeah. them. First time really playing like ninety nine percent of the snaps. Normally he's dealt with injuries and he's never been a nickel guy, so it was surprising uh, to see him in that role. But he was released, and which is also surprising because they lost Reuben Foster for the year. Remember they took a chance on him last year. Uh, but and they let Zach Brown walk, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. And so they went from having three guys to having like their linebackers right now. Did are they Bengals sign team. anyone? In free agency? I, I vaguely recall seeing a tweet today that said their linebackers look bad. They didn't get C.J. Mosley, right? That was the Jets. Oh, maybe? Maybe they? No. No, they're talking about, they're talking about, uh, what's his name? Mason uh, Foster? Foster? Yeah. They're talking about him going to Baltimore, perhaps. Ah, uh, yeah. To, but but I, I don't think, C.J. Mosley, where did he go? New York? Jets. Got to be a Jets yeah. then. Yeah. All right. So um, anyways, point being, people were asking, well, would the Bengals be interested in Foster? And I thought as a backup inside linebacker, I don't think he moves the needle at all. If anything, he's a lot like Preston Brown. Uh, so, no, I don't think that's a, a scenario or a situation in my mind. I don't want Foster. If we get to that point where Preston Brown's hurt again and you're trying out Ruben, or, uh, Mason Foster, 
I would much rather have Malik Jefferson or Jordan Evans or Jermaine Pratt running around out there. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. I guess it kind of depends on how good they are, though. Sure, if they're terrible, like it, then yes. Well, but if they're 9-2, and two, I would rather have Mason Foster than Malik Jefferson. Oh, I mean if the players are terrible. Yeah, yeah. If the team's good and, the, and those guys just are trash, then yeah, let me get Mason Foster in here. Right, okay. We good. We're on so the same the page. Yeah, the interesting note there that, that started this conversation was the conversation that Brian Callahan is having is around Christian Westerman and Trey Hopkins. He's not talking about John Jerry. He's not talking about um, Alex Redmond. He's not talking about... Well, I guess he's, he's acknowledging that the tackle depth isn't there. So Brian Callahan, again, is saying all the things that I want to see Brian Callahan say. Yeah. Uh, consistently, since he's come to the Bengals, I've loved pretty much everything that's come out of Brian Callahan's mouth. And that's a rarity for anything Bengals, especially coach-related. Yeah. Mike Zimmer was the last one, really? I never that, questioned like, Mike Zimmer, yeah. Right. Whatever he said, I was like, yep. Where's the brick wall? I'll run through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that direction. Yep. And, and I'm speculating here, and I'm really speculating here, but a little part of me wonders... If Brian Callahan doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with Jim Turner on who he wants on the offensive line based on the film that they've both watched. Mm-hmm. Joe made a really good point before we started recording that position coaches, you know, they might have their types of guys, right? They're yeah. working with the units. They might Jim Turner likes these big guys, right? But maybe Brian Callahan's out there looking at the results instead and says, you know what, I would rather have the guy that's been productive and has been able to execute the plays, the kinds of plays that we want to call, which is going to be a lot of outside zone stuff, might require some athleticism. Maybe yep. maybe big isn't what Brian Callahan wants. So maybe there's a bit of a divide there in terms of who they would prefer archetypally. I'm not yeah, saying that there's a schism or anything. Word? I'm just saying that maybe there's like maybe they have different types. Yeah, then that's all it could be. And and if you ask the personnel guy, if you ask Duke Tobin, he may hope for the upside guy. He may say, well, I'll, I mean, I think Westerman can be this. Mm-hmm. I think he can do this. I think this is his upside. I think he's a future starting left guard. I think he's maybe even a pro bowler. So they would have all different, you know, vantage points and, and expectations and, and wants for that position. So, uh, yeah, that's just how that's how teams are crafted and made. Yeah. So I'm not trying to start anything there. I know a lot of you think that we talk too much about Jim Turner and Bobby Hart. That is not my intent there. It is just something I've noticed is that you hear Jeff Hobson talking a lot about John Jerry. And I feel like, I feel like I've seen quotes from Jim, Jim Turner talking a lot about John Jerry. Brian Callahan's talking about different players. Could be totally coincidental. Could be making a mountain out of a molehill. No, I don't think you are. I think... Uh... You know, you got to read between the lines sometimes with the Bengals.com stuff. And if you do, you can be led on the right path. I have read between the lines on the LeBeau stuff, and time will still tell if I have any idea what I'm talking about with that. Well, I mean, it's true. They did hire those type of guys. They hired so a bunch we'll of LeBeau coaches. Yeah, we'll have to see how that affects the defense. There are a bunch of other Mike Brown quotes over on Bengals.com today, one of which that I think we all agree with is that the 18-game schedule is stupid. Mike Brown wants to keep the schedule at 16 games. He said, and quote, I don't think we want to play Boston unless Brady isn't playing. Said Brown, unable to keep a straight face. Everyone knows the discussion on this. It isn't the way football has been played. I That's a terrible reason, though. I mean, I'm not for 18 games, but his reasoning isn't great. Who knows if that's the only reasoning? That's the soundbite that we got. 
I understand that, but this is his one time to talk the whole year almost. And to say that that's not the way it's been done, that's the worst reason to not change anything. That's true. Because we've always done it this way? That's well, true. Okay. If, you, if that's the part you're focused on, then sure. You know but what I mean? I, if you would have said injuries, I'd have been like, wow, look at him looking out for his players. Or expanded roster. Or the confusion of only playing a guy for 16 out of 18 or do we get an extra bye week? Logistics. How do we figure this out? Are we eliminating preseason games? Had he have had more questions? I, well, in, nobody followed up with him either. At least right. as far as we know, we weren't there. As but he does know. say everyone knows the discussion on it. So maybe he's just acknowledging there's a lot of dialogue. Right. He that's knows happening. all that. Yeah. yeah. Right. You're, you're right. You're, that's fair. I'm, I mean, and I'm not the one that's going to defend Mike Brown. I'm not right. going to white knight exactly for, for Mike right Brown. Now. But it, let's Good try job. to keep a level head or whatever. You're right. You're fine. I'm I'm in the wrong here. I'm I'm an idiot. Uh, all right. I mean, <laughs> that really swung back like, the other on. way. You know what, Joe? I've had enough of this podcast. Let's tell me some secrets off air. You got anything else you want to add that you heard today that you found interesting? No, nothing. I've I've actually I'm going to go read everything because uh, most of my interaction and, and information digesting was on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Not enough time in the day. That'll do it for us today. Bengals fans will be back tomorrow with our last episode before training camp. We're taking Thursday, Friday off, and then we'll be back on Saturday with a bonus episode. Joe? That's right. I'm just giving you a thumbs up because you're on it. Nailing it. We'll be back Saturday with a bonus episode for the first day of training camp taking place in Dayton. And then we're on Sunday going ahead our regular schedule next week. We Do we want to do a mailbag tomorrow, Joe? Yes. Send us your questions tomorrow. We'll get a tweet out there as well. Until next time, Bengals fans, have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wildcard exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.